Welcome to today's family experience, helping families pull together in a world that's pulling families apart. My name is Chuck Higley, and I'm the host today, as well as the leader of the team here at Project Patch. We're all about youth families and getting out there and really, really connecting with communities and empowering them. So I'm glad that you guys are spending the, your um, next little bit of time with me. Actually, it's going to be a lot of time. I went and did a long interview, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. I certainly did. You know, our guest today is Forrest Benedict. He is um, an author, he's a therapist, and a lot of other things. Um, but the book that we're talking about today is called Life After Lust. And for any of you who's followed us for long, followed some of the, the training seminars, writing that I do, um, you know that the topic of a porn addiction is one that I teach on um, as well as, as bring to attention as much as possible. You know, this is an area that's, that's changing every single day. Porn is exponentially growing. It's one of those things that's really hard to study because every single day more of it's being produced, no, more methods. And so it's, it's one of those things that, that is easy to get overwhelmed about. But the good news is that there's just a solid growing base of, of tools, um, perspectives, um, resources that are growing also exponentially. Um, there's more hope, there's more resources today than there's ever been. And so I really jumped at the chance of interviewing Forrest. Um, his new book just came out over Valentine's, and it's excellent. And so I think you're really going to enjoy enjoy that time. This podcast focuses on you as parents, um, and I think you'll you'll hear Forrest's voice as a parent coming through this. There's some amazing things that, that I think you'll enjoy that he's saying um, that'll impact you personally as well as, as you as a parent as well as, as your relationship. You know, and for some of you right now that are saying, you know, this might not be for me. I'm not, I'm not interested in the topic. This is not a preachy time. This is not a time of, of scaring fear. This is a time of hearing someone's story and hearing from a person that's an expert. And not just an expert in, in one aspect of it, but he's a person that's been in addiction. He's a person that's been through recovery 12 plus years of, of abstinence now and um, recovery, excuse me, recovery and abstinence, both of those together. And he's also a dad, he's a husband, and he's passionate about about not just breaking pornography, but life after lust. You know, and he's discovered that, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So some of you, you know, that say, maybe this isn't for me because my kids are too young, or this isn't a, a hot topic to me, or maybe you've just been beat up about this topic. Just give it a listen. I think you'll really enjoy it. Forrest Benedict is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He's a sexual addiction treatment provider. You'll hear some initials over time called SATP for that. Um, he serves as a clinical director of Lifestar, which is in Central Valley of California, and a sexual addiction treatment program. He's the program manager for that SATP um, for the Mid-America Nazarene University, where he trains therapists in sexual addiction treatment. Um, he blogs regularly. He's written for Triple X Church and Protect Young Minds. He's passionate about protecting children from pornography. And Forrest speaks regularly on this topic and lives in Fresno, California. And so I was excited to have him on, and I think you'll enjoy this interview. Forrest, I am so excited that you joined us today for this podcast. The chance that we have today to share the story with, with parents and the story I think that we have to share is, is so exciting because you bring so many different angles to this. It's not just writing as a therapist. It's not just writing as a husband, as a dad, as someone in recovery. It combines all these different vantage points mm -hmm. and it wraps it up in a, in a really, really exciting way. And so before I think people 
get into what you have to say, I think it'd be great for them to, to learn a little bit more about you, your story. Um, yeah. Could you share real quick about that? I was raised in, a, I'd say, a good family, but my father was an alcoholic and um, bipolar and, and just had a lot of um, challenges that he was experiencing. And so I think it really, uh, for me, it was very difficult because um, I felt um, abandoned and, and just, you know, even, even it's interesting cause he, uh, led me to Christ at a young age, but he also, um, misused Christianity in a lot of ways, um, in kind of a, a religiously abusive. Um, and, and so that was definitely a challenge, um, growing up and, and I'm happy to talk more specifically about it, but I think it really, for one, it, it skewed and, and really hindered my attachment with him. And I'd say my ability to trust people in general. Um, and, and so kind of that was some of the backstory. And, and I was exposed to pornography at age 12. Um, you know, I, th- I think nobody would have predicted that that would have happened because my mom, who, who was mainly raising me at that time, was very protective. And um, so what ended up happening was I was at a friend's house and uh, the friend had pornography available. Um, and, and it looks pretty obvious that the friend's parents gave him complete access to all these magazines. And, and I saw that for the first time. And it was like I was hooked. You know, it was I remember to this day the images that I saw, and uh, from that point on, it really became, you know, how do I figure out how to get away with finding this in any form I possibly can? And, you know, I really feel for the our young people now because that, you know, that was before the internet was here, and we there was complete access everywhere. Um, so I just had to figure out how to find it, and. Um, you know, it became like a very secretive part of my life. You know, how do I figure out how to get around what my my parents may be doing and, and just find it in any form and and definitely going through a, probably a lot more trauma with my dad as a teenager um, as he became um, suicidal and eventually homeless and, and just going through a lot of difficult times with him. Um, to the point where he finally officially disowned me for not um, fulfilling, you know, what what he thought I should be doing as a son. Um, And so just going through all of that and, um, you know, getting older and getting increased access to pornography, um, you know, the internet eventually did come out and that was made made things worse for me and everybody else. Um, And so it really wasn't until you know, the challenge with all this is I was, I was a great kid and, you know, active and Boy Scouts and the church and, you know, really loved God. And so it's very, very difficult and very shame-based um, duality, you know, this double, double life, you know? Yeah. And I, I want to pause on that a minute because it's such a, I think such a pivotal point for parents to, that they struggle with is that um, one, you were, you had a lot of vulnerabilities. And huge amounts of longing for connectedness, longing for approval, Mm -hmm. these longings that are really, really great longings. Yeah. And 
and I think that that duality that that parents sometimes it's like I, my kid is both. <laughs> they're they're yeah. doing some really good things and they're doing some really dark things. But in a yeah. sense, the the picture that emerges is just this this immense longing. How is it that that porn seemed like such the perfect fit for a kid that does want approval, the kid that does want companionship, the kid that wants that that has all these good longings. How is it that porn fits so nicely into that? Oh yeah. No, it porn kind of perfectly fits that wound, you know, because in porn, um, even though it's all fake and it's all fantasy and that person on the other side really doesn't know who you are and really doesn't long for you, you get that 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 fantasy of, you know, here's this person that's completely opening up themselves um, in, a, in a sexual way, but, you know, they want me, they um, desire me, they're excited that I'm walking in the room. And so that it's that type of wound that and ultimately I've, I've learned that that there's a part of the healing is is letting God do that for us, mm-hmm. you know, letting God be that person that is excited, you know, his face just lights up when we come in the room, you know, that having that type of relationship with God is part of that healing. But, um, I think that's how pornography can be especially alluring to somebody that, that has those types of wounds of abandonment and just not, not being noticed, Mm -hmm. you know, we could just escape to that fantasy. Yeah. We also see a lot of kids that are really, I mean, the desire to be self-sufficient, I can take care of myself. I don't need anyone. And yeah. that, that does work its way into that. I mean, we're, we're especially if you had unpredictable adults in your home, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we talk about this being more of an attachment disorder than, you know, it is an addiction, but it's also an attachment based disorder. And, um, you know, when we grew up in this, household that where emotions aren't kind of safe to explore and talk about and they're not responded to. It's like we, we really learn pretty early on that people cannot be trusted to deal with our emotions. So it's like that that self-sufficient self-sufficiency you're talking about really is like, okay, if I can't trust people, then I gotta find some other experience to deal with my emotions with. And hey, if pornography is available, then that is that's easy. That feels good. Anytime I'm feeling anything, just go there, take care of it. And then I don't need people because I can't trust them anyway. Mm -hmm. And so at some point from age 12 to, and and you've been in, and we'll get through that story of of recovery for for a long time now, but at some point it stopped working or something else caught up with you. What, what is it that, that stopped, that changed? No. It's, it's kind of a unique story because um, what I've found is that most young people or young adults, um, they don't, it's, it's harder for them to recover because they don't have some severe consequence staring them in the face like, like a partner that's going to divorce them or they're getting fired from their job for looking at pornography. So in that sense, I, I feel like I'm very... Uh, I don't know if I would say blessed or fortunate, but grateful for sure that for me, it was like um, I ended up doing a lot of self-development classes and and felt like um, I really wanted to get free. And it was kind of like failing 
over and over and over for so many years that it was like, I'm done with this. I cannot keep doing this. And just really, you know, finally got a hold of enough money to go into a, a treatment program that was like a four day intensive um, with Every Man's Battle. And I felt like some of the tools I had learned in the self development courses about taking responsibility for your life really helped me. And, you know, I went in there just saying, this is, this is the last time um, I'm done with this. But then not just saying that, but really applying everything I learned to the point where I made it happen. Um, not that I take responsibility for my own recovery fully, because a lot of that is relying on others. You know, a lot of it's like, I couldn't do this alone without God's help. You know, I, I always say it's 100% me, 100% God. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so it's, but it really, <laughs> it really took that type of attitude yeah. to get free. And I try to communicate that in the book. So for people that you meet on a regular basis, and you work with teens and adults, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but just that concept of, of recovery and long-term recovery. One, yeah. there's people that don't think it's possible and second, I get the impression from, from reading your book that you are um, much more excited about the long-term life change and impact of this freedom than counting yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think there's benefit to counting days. Um, like, like it's helpful for me to look back and say, wow, I have almost made it 13 years without indulging in pornography or masturbation, you know, to me, the fact that I was so lost in those behaviors prior to that, and, you know, it definitely doesn't mean I've been perfect. And, and so there's that wrestling with, yeah, I've really struggled in a lot of ways, but, um, I think the downside to it just being counting days is that, you know, you can kind of get very black and white with it and say like, you know, oh, if I if I messed up, then I might as well go all the way, or I might as well do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can can become detrimental type thinking. And the other piece to that is sobriety doesn't mean that there's recovery. Mm-hmm. And I think if somebody just abstains, somebody just stops doing something, it doesn't mean they're getting the healing that they need for the things that were driving them to that behavior. And, and that's where I would say, you know, a lot of people would fail in, in recovery because they think it's just about changing behavior when it's really a lifestyle change. And, you know, a, a lot of it is learning to connect with themselves, with others, with God. And, and that takes a lot of work. And that's really interesting that you, you sorry, I'm taking us on a detour here, but um, when talking with kids and, and young adults, They'll share after a while that I planned on quitting once I got married. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so the oh, yeah. the idea is that that I'm going to replace porn behavior with with actual actual marriage sex, yeah. and and yep. then I won't need it anymore. But really, what yep. you're sharing is is that um, because it is such a deep, faceted, lots of reason, and it's not the same thing, and and so. It, it makes sense that people would, would get to that point of, and, and be married and still be be discovering at that point that, well, this isn't the same thing and it's interfering with, with all my life now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that 
happen over and over where they think they think it's just about sex, you know, just to get just getting a release, but um, don't realize that they're you know they use it when they're having a a bad day and they use it when they're stressed and they use it when they're having a good day and you know it's like okay you can't just you know stop doing that and not learn how to deal with your emotions and not learn how to connect and unfortunately what I see is you know people will get married and then stop and then maybe three to six months later when stuff gets difficult you know marriage you know it's not always fun and easy and all of that that we think it might be but um but then the behavior comes back and then it's like the worst accident waiting to happen you could ever imagine because you know I work with the partners now as well as addicts and and you probably know this that the trauma that those partners experience is is comparable to PTSD t- sometimes mm-hmm. and so talk about the worst plan imaginable you know you know let me let me wait for marriage to solve this problem and not get help you know and there's parents out there i think that's the the challenge that we have is that well most parents are really uncomfortable with the idea that their kids are sexual beings and that's that's yeah. on its yeah. own a, a probably a discussion sure. but but at yeah. some point we the the culture now is is telling us that kids are sexual they this is a normal and i think mm-hmm. kids are being raised with that that understanding that everyone does porn everyone looks at porn this doesn't hurt you this is this is just fine and really the the message that that some people don't even think life without porn is possible and others when they yeah. think of abstinence they don't you know that's all they're concentrated on and and really what you're telling is is your story is a story of this is what recovery looked like for me and as i've studied it further this is these Recovery is not only possible for me, it's, it's definitely possible for, for anyone that wants to pursue it. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not easy. And, and it, really, it really depends on people's unique individual situations. Yeah. You know, there's other factors that would make recovery a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they had early sexual abuse or... Um, even if they're um, like adopted or, you know, have things that really could disrupt attachment, yeah. you know, um, traumas and all kinds of things like that. And then and then even ex- age of exposure makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Like if if kids are if there's like this window between ages 11 and 13 when the brain's like kind of hardwiring stuff in and pruning out stuff it doesn't need. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at porn during that time, it's kind of like more hardwiring that in that yeah. this is yeah. my sexuality. It's like me alone with the computer. Mm-hmm. So there's all types of things like that yeah. that can really make it more complicated. And that's where, where the transition that, that you've made is is living a life in recovery and then slowly or at least it seems slow from watching from the, 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 you know, reading the notes and stuff is that you transitioned to saying, I want to make this a life work. Tell me about that transition and how that's really played out for you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I got very engaged in my recovery and, um, got into therapy and, and, and then pretty quickly just kind of jumped into, um, like starting a men, a men and boys group for, 
sexual purity at my church and just really had a heart for it. And so I ended up moving up to Fresno and, and going to get my master's degree in marriage and family therapy, um, thinking that this is exactly what I wanted to specialize in. And um, they even tried to convince me that I shouldn't be that specific, that I should kind of, you know, just be broad. But mm-hmm. I always was very purposeful in deciding this is exactly what I want to do. Um, and so, you know, graduated with my master's, um, went on to get specialized in this area and get additional training. And um, so now I'm leading a, a, a sexual addiction treatment program here in Fresno called Lifestar. And, and then I also have an opportunity to, to run um, the SAP-P program, which is through Mid-America Nazarene University. And so I actually get to train Christian therapists to do sexual addiction work. Um, and, and, and then, you know, I also have this huge heart for protecting kids. So I'm, you know, out and sometimes in the community, um, doing presentations and, and doing writing and, you know, really trying to, um, make a difference in the world Mm -hmm. of the healing that I've gotten. Um, it feels very purposeful and that's part of what I, intended in the book is to help people realize, I think you pointed this out, Chuck, in some of our interactions that, um, it's life after lust, Mm -hmm. you know, it's about, it's not just about getting free from some addiction, but it's like, what are you meant to do with your life? And how does, how can you accomplish that as a completely free person? Mm -hmm. What's the impact you're meant to make when you're not stuck in some addiction and, and even how can you help protect kids and this whole generation that's growing up addicted if you're caught in it yourself. Yeah. So, and John ten ten is the verse that we use as project patch all the time. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, you know, and I've yeah. come that you might have life abundantly. And, and my guess is as you sit with a, with a client and they're at their low. Yeah. And, all they can see is, I want to stop doing this behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and really, your heart for them is, I want to see you start doing this other connecting. I want to see you, yeah. you getting. And you know, jumping into, you, you have these, um, your book is, is and we'll, we'll have links for that. Your book okay. has these, um, I, I forget, mindsets, essential mindsets. Oh, that yeah. you, you teach throughout the book, which are just fantastic. But in a sense, these four false core beliefs. Yeah. Um, do you have a, could you pull that up really quick and just kind of talk through that? Because, because to me, this is the heart of our kids are buying into these, you know, our kids are seeing these, these things and, um, and to see a kid and say, you know, how can we reverse these things or an adult that's at that point and say, what would life look like for you? Not just to stop porn, but to, to smash these, these false core beliefs. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, Patrick Carnes, he's like the the pioneer in the sexual addiction treatment field. Um, You know, he he introduces um, these core beliefs. And and so I call them mindsets, you know, because this this book that the first sections focus on the mindsets Mm -hmm. and uh, creating new mindsets. And so 
I, I kind of frame these mindsets that keep sexual addicts stuck in shame, isolation, and disconnection. And so the false core beliefs that he talks about are basically I'm a bad and unworthy person. I am unlovable. I cannot depend on others to meet my needs. And my highest need is sex. And and so talk about, you know, very disconnecting beliefs that would that would keep somebody from from ever really reaching out for the kind of help and the kind of hope that they would need um, that really keep people very isolated and, and, and they never really feel like they're even worthy of help. Wow. And really the mindsets then the rest of the book that you, you take people through is each chapter has specific mindset and tools <laughs> and, and you really surround them with how do we, how is it that we start to think in, in the right direction rather than in the, in the wrong direction? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I present many things in this book and, mm-hmm. and it can be a little overwhelming at first, I'm guessing. Um, and that's why it's really framed as kind of a long-term work. Um, and I, and I have like the 52 week plan to make it a little less intimidating, but yeah, some of these mindsets are like, Recovery from sexual addiction is difficult, possible, and worth the effort. Mm. So it's just like the belief, you know, the hope that this is possible. Other people can make it. One of the ones that I am a big fan of and I tell tell the people I work with this, and I think it's somewhat counter um, than what's being taught out there in addiction circles, is permanent sobriety is always possible. And I think it's, I think it's something that helped me early on, and it's something I, I really want to hit home is that, I mean, your attitude with how you engage in recovery is going to be so different. If you just think, well, what they say often is relapse is part of recovery, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like, and I I believe there can be something always learned from relapse if, if it happens, but it's a different level of engagement than saying, okay, but permanent sobriety is possible. So if it's possible, I'm going to engage in this in such a more intense and committed level, and and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it possible. Mm -hmm. So it's really a call to, to move people out of passivity with their lives to kind of a passionate, um, intentionality with their lives. And, um, that's, it's very difficult to, to get people moving in that direction, but I just think it's so important, um, you know, just to have that, that mindset, you know? Yeah. And I was really struck when I saw that because, um, you, you're right. There is, when I, when I talk to people, that's the, the brain, works against us yeah and so the you talked about as and and you have some chapters and one thing that i I will say about the book that i I really enjoy is that you are able to capture a story without it without it being a a book full of triggers or a book that that is explicit and so there's enough to to create understanding and relatability but it's not a (laughs) for parents that are looking out there you know what what would it be like if my kids saw this book and read it it's it's not a how-to guide for anything (laughs) 
um, no, no. for for the negative stuff. But but what it yeah. does is that is that you're able to to really help people understand that that this um, sobriety is is possible and that the things that we do will will change will change our attitude will change how we interact with people all these sorts of things and so our mind like you said as a as a little boy you, a young man i guess it was the yeah. the lengths you could go through to try to cover it up and to to find access and to i mean we'll talk about it later but the evil genius that you talk about i think that's the the term that, that yeah. did all this this really clever work also mm-hmm. even in the life of a in recovery we'll we'll try to you know, set us up with, with thoughts of, oh, it's just recovery. You can get past this or you can tell the group and they're going to come down on you, but that's fine. This is better than, you Uh know, and making those trade-offs. And so I, I love that, that, that fact. Let's move to, to parents a little bit. And, um, you're a parent, you've got, um, passion about this. Um, there's a a recording that, that we'll send a link to, I think that might be the best way that, that you've made that is, um, powerful message. Um, yeah. Of a, of a father. Yeah. In your, we've, we've alluded to it a little bit. Tell me about attachment and why attachment is such a pivotal aspect for parents in both prevention as well as, as recovery. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kind of like I was explaining earlier, you know, I think as, as parents, we have kind of a great opportunity and and definitely a huge responsibility to um, to really create secure connections with our kids and and really learn to help them um, manage their emotions in a way that creates those connections and helps them feel that you know to seek out a relational comfort is a normal thing mm-hmm. you know so that means you know when I'm having a hard day I'm gonna be more likely to go to God or my parents, or my friends, and, and, or even connect with myself and be like, wow, what's, what are these feelings? And, you know, it, it gives a curiosity and attend, attentiveness to emotion. And I think that's just so pivotal, because without that, it's like we, when we feel emotion, it's like, let's run from this feeling, let's numb this out, let's escape this. Uh, especially if we're growing up in a situation where our parents don't even notice it and, and they don't even usually, and this is, this, this is a hard topic because it can stir up a lot of shame and guilt for parents. Mm-hmm. And I really don't want to do that. Cause I, I think, um, usually we don't, we don't know how to connect with our kids mm-hmm. because we learn it from our parents, you know? So a lot of this is just a learning experience, but I think it's realizing that if we create this secure connection with our kids, then when they're tempted by pornography or by any any other drug of choice out there, that they're going to come to us, mm-hmm. that they're going to have that secure bond, and they're going to be like, "Wow, this doesn't this doesn't feel right. I I need to talk to my parents about this. They've made sex an on the table topic." And it just feels safe to do that instead of like, I'm going to be shamed if I come out about this and they're going to tell me something's wrong with me. You know, um, it's, I I think that's part of it. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because, um, I'm convinced that, that as parents, most of the time we're looking for technology to solve technology problems (laughs) and, and, and really what you're saying is that this is, this is a relationship problem. This is a 
this yeah. is only going to be solved with relationship. Yeah, we'll talk about some tools that can assist with this, yeah. um, technology tools. But, but at the end of the day, our kids need, mm-hmm. need us with strong relationships with them. Relationships that can handle emotion. And in a sense, this is, this is maybe what, what I think I've seen is, is comfort, long-term comfort with, with tough emotion. You know, not having to wrap yeah. it up, not having to have it solved. You know, there's yeah. not a 30 minute and then we're happy and we're back to life as in, you know, this could feel rotten for, for a while. Yeah. And you could feel sad. You could feel bad, mad, whatever. That's, that's okay mm-hmm. to feel that way. And it's going to last a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important for us as parents to do our own work. You know, I, I mean, you think about this. I mean, we, we have one of our kids is, is very difficult um, emotionally just has a lot of, he's, he's a very hard kid. And, um, I think what makes it even harder is when him being overwhelmed emotionally makes me overwhelmed emotionally, mm. you know? And then it's like the chances of me responding in the way I know I, sh- I should, they decrease quite a bit, yeah. you know? I just, I need some comfort. I yeah. need some comfort. So it's like the more, the more healing I do, uh, the better I can, the better I can be there for them in the way that they need it. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. And, and really as, as we talk about this, there's some, there's some reasonable things parents can do. You, from reading some of your stuff, you're, you've, um, sound like you're a fan of Covenant Eyes and, and some of the, the products that they offer. What yeah. about those products do you really, what is it that makes them, them really positive for parents? Yeah, well, you know, Coven and Eyes is great because they have um, like a family pack um, where uh, you can kind of put it at different settings on different devices. You know, like if your eight-year-old is using one device, you can put it on a certain setting. And then, you know, your 18-year-old might have a different setting on their device. So for me, that's helpful. I also appreciate that they um, not only have the filtering software, but they also have like accountability reports that they would send to the parent. So the parent could know, you know, what are they searching for? What are they interested in? Um, and, and so I think it's so important that pretty much every device in the home have something on it. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that we as parents, that's part of our, it's, it's very inconvenient if you think about it, Mm -hmm. but it's like, a lot less inconvenient than having an addicted kid. You yeah, know? that's for sure. And and so there's that concept of filtering and accountability. And, and I love the, the power of accountability. Yeah. You know, and, and really modeling that as a parent. The other aspect of this that I, I think is interesting, though, is that you talked about the evil genius, that, that concept of, <laughs> of I <laughs> will find a way around this. And so as yeah. parents, especially when our kids are are addicted or we might not even know that they're addicted because they're so sneaky about it. Explain how that evil genius works and, and how, how that plays into parenting our, our kids. How, how yeah. does that change our perception? Um, well, yeah, that's, that's very difficult. And that evil genius, I, I just love that. I, that because I think it's part of all of us, you know, and I don't know, you, you could label it different things, but it's kind of like that sneaky, creative place in us that's like realizes is, is always 
given us ideas on how we could get around stuff, Mm -hmm. how we could get away with stuff. And um, so, yeah, and I think in that sense, we do have to be really tuned into what our kids are up to, um, to pay attention to their, their moods, you know, pay attention if they're, um, doing secretive behavior or if they're like erasing, um, internet history or if they're, um, look really tired cause they've been up or if they're taking devices in their, you know, hiding devices or lying, you know, there's all these things that you can look for that would give you the sign that, that your kid might be, uh, listening to that evil genius. And, and that's the thing is even with this technology, like I, I used to think of it kind of as a game. If I had, um, some kind of, if I had covenant eyes, I, I thought, okay, how do I get around this? Mm-hmm. Because if I really wanted it, I could figure out a way around it. Um, I won't share any of those creative evil genius <laughs> ideas, but they were pretty good ideas. You know, it's like, wow, that came from the pit of hell, you know? <laughs> well, and that's, that's, I think the pivotal thing for, for us as parents is that, yeah, we can play, um, defense, you know, and, yeah. and I think there is a role of defense that we have to play, but at the same time, yeah. how do we, the, the key is really strengthening that desire, their own ownership, Mm-hmm. because because what I'm looking at for for, for parents in, in our training that we do, and, and maybe I've gotten some pushback on the word, but it's the most convenient word I have right now. Mm-hmm. But if your kid is 18 years old and doesn't own their own purity or moral choices, then who does? Yeah. You know, because you as a parent can't own it. And yeah. if they don't own it, then media, whoever is the most powerful voice in their life at that point will own them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so that's where I think it's interesting is that, yeah, we've got these things, but really early on, you've got kids in your home, you've got, you know, you're saying that young kids, you know, statistically, you're, you're assuming that parent, you're the kids are going to see porn. Yeah. And so I love what you're saying, you know, watching for moods, watching for secretive behavior, looking at tiredness, looking at, are they hiding things in yeah. activity, you know, lying, all these taken together mm-hmm. are a signal that something, something is up. Yeah. How have you seen parents really transition that concern conversation in a way that doesn't just put kids on their heels? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it has to be, well, for one, it has to be age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it has to be kind of on the foundation of conversations. You know, it's, we don't want to just be the police, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be like helping, having conversations about pornography and how it affects their, um, like I, I'm a big fan of the science, you know, mm-hmm. how pornography affects the brain. And, you know, um, I love, I can't, I could talk all day about the, the book, good pictures, bad pictures mm-hmm. by Kristen Jensen. Um, you know, that's probably for ages six to, um, you know, 12 or so. And, and that's, it's a great conversation starter and it explains some of the things about what's going on in the brain. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was reading that to my son at age six and he was, you know, memorizing the plan, you know, the plan if you see porn. And so it was like starting these conversations. Yeah. Um, so they know that my heart is 
to help them have, you know, the best life they can possibly have. And it's not just about me saying this is evil, you know, or this is sin. That's awesome. And so I'll, I'll put that into the, I'll put that into the show notes for people that are interested. And of course we'll have, have your book there also, because the power for a parent is, yeah, you're, you're saying it's long-term and there are parents that are probably listening right now that are saying, I'm going to have to play some catch up to, and, and one of the resources that you guys do have, um, is some youth, some services for youth that are, are needing uh-huh. some more therapeutic care, maybe kids that, that are more than just looking, kids that are really, really hooked to this. Can you tell me what, does, do kids contact you or are you working mostly with parents to get that started? Well, you know, it's always the parents that bring the kids in reluctantly, you know, mm-hmm. nobody wants to do this and it's all group focused too. So nobody you know, everybody has so much shame around this that they initially don't like the group idea, mm-hmm. but it, it can be very powerful. It, it can be a, a huge way to help them, like, see that they're not, like, evil people just because they've struggled with this. And, you know, we I, I've created this program specifically. The one we have is called Youth Star. And there's there's other Youth Stars um, in other Life Star offices throughout the U.S., um, so that's just one model that that's out there. Um, but yeah, I just really, I want to equip them with, um, with tools, but also, um, you know, ch- challenge them and, and give them good information. Like I, I share a lot of fight the new drug videos and, you know, stuff that's down to their level, but I'll tell you though, it's, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard getting them to do the habits that, yeah that will help change this, but I'm grateful to have a chance to, to intervene, you know, and, and to give them a, give them information that they're not getting anywhere else. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, and I think that's where I'll share some of these resources for parents just because they need to know that, that there's stuff out here for project patch. We use, um, celebrate recovery's teen version, which is life, life hurts, God heals. Um, yeah. another group environment that's a little broader, but, but a lot of really good stuff that kids are doing, you know, in those, in those small groups. Um, yeah. so let me talk about marriage a little bit, just because we're not a marriage podcast. Um, yeah. I've <laughs> going on 23 years of marriage, but I don't feel like I'm competent for that one yet. <laughs> um, yeah. but parent parenting and recovery, um, for a parent that's been impacted by this, so really specifically looking at parents that that maybe one of the spouses or both of them have been in in porn porn addiction and now are in recovery, how any any words to those those parents that that would bring them them help or hope? Yeah, well, you know, just that there is there is hope. You know, I've seen so many people, um, devastated by this addiction. Um, and, and yet when they saw, you know, when I meet initially with someone, I'll show them the slides that we have of how pornography affects the brain. And just, you can see like it increases your impulsivity even more. You even have even less self-control every time you do this. And, and they also, impairs your ability to empathize and emotionally connect with others. And so I think when people see that and they see that the brain can be rewired and, and healed. And then I also always bring in the attachment piece where it's like, you know, 
you didn't you've never learned how to deal with your emotions and deal with your stress in life in a healthy way but you can learn that mm-hmm. you know and and you can actually learn how to connect with yourself and with your kids and with your your family like that's the thing it's just so amazing to see people go through recovery and learn things that they never had any clue about before and 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 then you bring god into the mix it's like everything's possible mm-hmm. you know? and and life can be so much more meaningful when you're engaged in it and present and it's possible when i one of the things that that's in the background even of this conversation is that yeah we're here talking to parents to benefit their kids and my guess is that that in the audience out there there's some parents that are are feeling shame feeling embarrassment all those sorts of things that are saying you know i'm more worried about me um, and I'm worried that my kid is becoming like me, you know, yeah. that, that, but wondering, you know, how is it that, that how, what do I need to do before I help my kids? And, and maybe they're stuck in that in between that they're not saying anything to their kids. They're not doing resources for their kids. They're not mostly because they feel like they're, they're maybe hypocritical or, or they'll, uh, you know, expose themselves for not being as, as with it as, as they are. Mm-hmm. what would you say to a parent that's saying, you know, I really want to help my kids, but right now I can't even get my act together. Yeah. Well, you know, I think part of that mentality is, um, just having a lot of shame mm-hmm. and I, I differentiate that all the time with clients and in the book, even, um, just that, you know, guilt is actually a good thing because it motivates us. It kind of helps us realize that what we're doing is impacting other people and, and ourselves, and it can kind of motivate us to change that. Whereas shame is like disempowering, and it's like beating ourselves up and hating ourselves and thinking we're, you know, nothing because we're dealing with this. And so that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, I think that the more we can transition out of that mentality that that keeps us feeling stuck and powerless and and like there's no hope, and and to actually just start moving in the direction of you know what, this is um, this is something I can work on. And and actually I teach a lot of self compassion. You know, mm-hmm. like ha- have some compassion on yourself. Like you weren't you were we all we all kind of have our issues and our trauma and our baggage that we're working through. And it's like okay yeah nobody's been a perfect parent or perfect anything. And there's no time like now to, to just start moving in that direction. You know, you don't have to be perfect today. Um, and you won't be ever obviously on, on this side of life. Right. But you know, it's just like, I urge, I urge those people to just grab hold of some of this hope, even if it's a little bit and, and move forward, do something. Yeah. You know, forward. What I love about what you just shared is that I think um, similar to the, the person that says, I'll give up porn when I get married. It's the, I'll be yeah. able to talk to my kids when I'm at this point of recovery or when I'm had this much success or when I get this figured out. And what I love about what, what you're saying and what the book affords is that it's a moving. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's an opening up into a yeah. new direction and mm-hmm. it's not, yeah, there's days, there's celebrations, but it's moving in the right direction. And the the reality that I'm bringing people with me, 
it's yeah. a relational thing. And the, the book for people that, and, and we've gone so long, we could spend hours on this, but the book for people that haven't taken a look at it, it's available on Amazon. Um, you've got, I've got some websites. Um, lifeafterlust.com is the book website. And that'll be in the show notes for us. Benedict.com has access links for all that. And Amazon has it. And so mm-hmm. for people that are, are looking at the book, the book is so much detail, but it's not, a, it's not a hard read, but there's so much detail for yeah. someone that's, that's wanting to move forward. And it's a path to do that. The 52 week steps to, to take people through that. I mean, it's, it's a detailed skills activities to do and it's done with wisdom. And, mm. and let me give an example of, of some of the wisdom that I perceived on it is, is, you know, there's sometimes when people are wanting to make a big change, they're just going to flat out go tell everyone. And so, you know, wisdom about, about couples and, and some of the ways that, that the disclosure is done. Oh, yeah. Um, there's wisdom in here about um, making amends. There's wisdom about connecting with, with resources. It's not a panic, I'm changing everything mentality. And so for someone that's, that's right. looking at it, how would you, what's it going to look like for them to walk through this, this resource? How is it going to end up affecting their life as they go through this? Yeah. You know, I, I really, I mean, you could tell by reading it. I love writing, mm-hmm. I love writing something that not only shares my own experience, but really challenges, but in a way that really inspires people and, and really helps them hope. And um, I think that reading the book would really spark hope for people because not only is it like written in such a way, like I, I, you could tell I really like um, using movie metaphors, you know, to help people um, kind of tap into that inspiration. But then it, there's also so many specific tools where it's like, um, it's not just like let me let me give you a good pep talk, but it's like, you know, I'm I'm coming alongside you. I believe in you. I've seen other people do it. I've done it, and and here's how. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the how is really specific because even like um, how to find a counselor, how to talk to the counselor, um, yeah. different options for groups, websites. Um, it's not just a do it, but it's it's a how to do it for some yeah. things that, that people struggle with is, is, you know, it's easy to say, get a counselor, but, but actually getting one is, can be, yeah. can be a little more complicated. Definitely. And I'm, I'm obviously biased on this, but I've seen it, uh, happen in a, in a negative way before. And, and, and so I think I have to be that specific is like, find somebody that specializes in this, because mm-hmm. if you don't, there's, there's varying perspectives on this out in the world and some people don't acknowledge sexual addiction. And if you come in and you have a severe sexual addiction and they say, well, don't worry about that. Everybody looks at porn or, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many messages out there that could just be detrimental. And so um, I, I want to help people that feel lost mm-hmm. to feel like, oh, here's a roadmap. I can I can do this. You know, I can do something. I can move forward. I can I mean, so much of this I'll never see the effects of, but I just, I'd love to imagine at the end of my life that there will be a crowd of people that, that took this book seriously and, and their lives were changed and, and not just their lives, 
this is part of one of the last chapters. It's not just about destiny, but it's about legacy. You know, what's the ripple effect of one person getting free? It's, it's massive. It mm-hmm. affects generations and it's eternal. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's your story, isn't it? I mean, from mm-hmm. a, a, a dad that caused harm in your life to being a dad that's bringing life mm-hmm. into, into some kids um, in some pretty amazing, amazing ways. And it sounds like it's, it's hard like the rest of us for parenting, um, always has its challenges. But if you could, if you could you know, share with, with parents, you know, just, just take a minute and share your heart in, in closing. What would you like parents to leave with today um, knowing and, and maybe something that they can leave, not just knowing but doing um, for their families? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I guess I would say that there's hope, you know, that, that this uh, topic is very scary, intimidating, and often we feel like there's nothing we can do, especially because the culture is so, um, you know, going against us in, in so many ways, um, the media and whatnot. Um, but I guess that would be my message is that there's, tons of resources for parents, um, whether it's them learning how to connect with their kids, how to protect their kids, how to get their own healing. Um, there's just so much out there. And, um, of course I think, yeah, I, I think my book would help with that. And, and this isn't just to plug my book, but, um, my hope is that that would be a resource that would help people see that, that there is that there is a way that's helped other people, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just to have that hope, and, and just to, to say, you know, it's okay for this to be a one day at a time growth process, and you know, forgive yourself for not being perfect, and today's a new day. Yeah, and and I and I do think your book is excellent, and <laughs> so I, I I'm, uh, I'm not gaining anything financially by saying that or by pushing it. There's no there's nothing other than I think. I think that would be a great first step for parents, regardless of, regardless of their experience with pornography. This book will give them a, a broader understanding of, of the issues, the impacts, and steps that they can take. Um, and it'd be a great book for, for them to keep on their shelf if there's someone that they, they talk to that is struggling. It'd be a fantastic mm-hmm. gift for someone to, to help them start steering their life in the, in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to, like I said, there's there's a lot of different things in our show notes. Hopefully, people will connect with that and, and connect with you. Um, Forrest, thank you for your time. Thank you for your hard work yeah. on this, for your thank vulnerability, you. transparency, um, passion on the topic. I mm-hmm. I know there will be people that'll that'll be blessed from it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was it was great talking with you, and um, you know I appreciate the opportunity. I hope people are impacted. I, bl- I believe they will be. Wow. I'm so thankful for Forrest for spending that, that time. And time just flew. When I originally <laughs> booked that, our conversation, I did not give it enough time, but luckily we both had some, some time in our day to really let, let the conversation flow. I hope you were helped by it. And I'd love to hear from you what aspects of it were, were the, the most helpful for you, what you'd like us to speak more on or maybe less on. And so you can send those to chuck at projectpatch.org and I'll, I'll make sure that, that we get that noted and, and give you the resources that you need. Um, as usual, please go on to our, our website, um, Today's Family Experience, and you'll see this episode um, 
Life After Lust, an interview with with um, Forrest um, Bennett, and in there you'll you'll Benedict, excuse me, you'll you'll be able to see all the details, all the things that we mentioned, websites, um, the books that he mentioned, as well as that that speaking, um, really powerful father's perspective on on pornography, and I think you'll you'll really be be encouraged as you see that. Hey, you've spent a great amount of time with me. For some of you that are out there, I'm going to be in your neighborhoods coming up, and so make sure you keep up on our seminar pages. Right now, we're in the process of booking our summer um, family experiences, and so you want to get on those, get them into your summer plans. It's a powerful weekend of getting together with your family, pulling together. It's a vacation um, that you will... um, cherish for a lifetime. It's a legacy type changing thing. It gives you a lot of the skills that we spoke of as far as how to have a relationship with your kid, how to talk about difficult things. And um, I will tell you that that kids enjoy it, parents enjoy it. It's a fantastic weekend at our site in Goldendale. And so get that into your summer plans. Um, and if you attend one of our seminars coming up, I'll be at Refresh this weekend in Seattle. I'm going to be at Northwest Ministry Convention later coming up in, in Seattle again. Um, there's some stuff happening in Dallas, another thing in Everett. Uh, May, I'll be up in um, Bellingham area. And so lots and lots of busy things happening. Um, but I love it. You know, just a chance to get out there and, and meet parents, um, give some hope, and also get out there and and, <laughs> and see you guys face-to-face and be able to have some of these conversations um, in detail. So I'm encouraged. I hope you are too. You know, it's one of those chances that we have as a parent to make a huge impact on our kids. Our kids need us to step up. Our kids need us to pull our families together. And I'm confident that you can do it. Thanks for your time.